Welcome to Towers, a MetaZoo podcast. My name is Esther, and there's been a slight change of plan. I know I was going to talk about my journey preparing for the water tower and trying to highlight lessons I learned from that that I think would be useful in prepping for the earth tower. But we have earth tower details now, and there's things I think we should just talk about before I release any more episodes. So the Earth Tower is coming. It's officially on April 15th and 16th in New York City. We don't have a location yet, but if you haven't been to New York City before, you're probably going to be able to access it fairly easily through the subway. There's also the MetaZoo Gala the night before. By the time I clicked on my invite link to get a ticket, the tickets were sold out, so I'm not going to go to that, and we're not going to talk about it much. But the first most important thing about this tower, the thing that people have been waiting before starting to brew spell books, are the Terra bonuses. So once again, all of these Terra give you triple bonuses. If it's to attack, they get triple to attack. If it's to LP, they get triple to LP. And those Terra are city, desert, ground, mountain, and swamp. Most people I know who have been testing have been testing assuming desert, ground, and mountain were in there. Swamp felt pretty safe. City was the terror that people are kind of on the fence about. Is this going to be in play or not? But it is relevant in this format because of a beastie called Cement Worms. We'll talk about Cement Worms later in this podcast as well. If you've played Earth or in the game recently, you probably know what this page does. It's a burrow where if it gets an attack on a caster, you can point to one of their aura pages and say that does not wake up next turn, which is great for choking out your opponent. How relevant it's going to be in a tower setting, we will see. But we have these terras. Now, if you're trying to figure out which pages to use in your spell book, which ones will be the most affected by these. If you haven't gone to the Caster Society website yet, castersociety.com, please go to that website, go to pages, and there's a whole filter system. If you're on Safari, it works a little bit better on Chrome. Sometimes the slide bars on the left or right get locked. But either way, go in there. You can check basic filters. So you, the first set of basic filters are the aura types. So for example, you could just click on earth. It's only going to show you earth pages. And then you could scroll down a little bit more and you have page types. You could click on beasties and that's going to show you all the beasties, which is going to be the most relevant for these Terra bonuses. From there, if you want to get more noodly, you can go to tribe. A couple relevant tribes here are going to be giant and fearsome critter. Fearsome Critter is usually associated with Forest Beasties, but Earth also has a lot of Fearsome Critter support. If you then want to get more noodly, you can scroll down, you have Traits, you can see which pages have which traits, and then Terra, which in this case is really nice, because you can just go through, click on Desert, City, Mountain, Swamp, Ground, and you'll see everything that gets a bonus from there. You can go even more specific. You can do page costs. You can do amount available in Spellbook. But the first thing I do when I'm looking into one of these towers is like, what is the card pool look like? What's available? What's going to be relevant? You kind of want to ignore constructed when you're preparing for a tower because there are just a lot of pages that are not very good in constructed and are very good when they get a lot of Terra bonuses. Take the Water Tower, for example. Loveland Mailman was a total assassin in Constructed, and still is. Uh, you put it out for two, one neutral and a water. 
It has fleet, which is great in water. It has unblockable, which is particularly good, especially if you're trying to hit a specific target. And it deals confusion with 35 damage if you have an official piece of MetaZoo merch as part of your fourth wall declared list. So normally that's very decent. In the tower, however, it gets no Terra bonuses, which means it has 60 LP, just about everything knocks it out. And it's only doing 35 damage, which knocks out just about nothing. Maybe a water baby, and they probably want you to hit their water baby. Now, it's not to say that this page was not played in the tournament. Being able to confuse a Chessie or another heavy hitter, causing them to more than likely hit themselves and take themselves out of the board, or even hitting a crab, it's not going to damage itself due to its effects and stone skin, but it will stop it from attacking you, which is nice. But that staple in a lot of water spellbooks for constructed, it's just not going to be the case here. And in Earth, I think this is particularly relevant. Do you just have a few beasties that are hitting for 130, 140, 190, I believe? Let me double check Cactus Cat. Yeah, Cactus Cat. You're going to be seeing a lot of the beastie, fearsome critter Cactus Cat. It costs two, which I don't like. It has tribal boost, which is a very relevant thing for MetaZoo in general. If you're not familiar with tribal boost, get familiar. It's going to be rampant in the forest tower in a few months, but... Cactus Cat's normally dealing 30 damage, right? Tribal Boost is nice. They get plus 10 damage and plus LP per other member of their tribe in the arena. But it gets plus 50 for Desert, plus 50 attack, and in this case, triple. So you're looking at 180 damage, 190 on up if there are other fearsome critters. So go through the Earth pages. Read them carefully. Maybe get with some other people. If there's a page that confuses you, read through the rule book. The updated rules and seance are very good. You can also go through the index on the official MetaZoo website to look up specific rulings for specific pages, but get an idea of what kind of spellbook you want to build and take a look at like what pages are relevant, which ones aren't. While you're preparing for the Earth Tower, while you're looking through these pages, definitely pay attention to the traits. And there's a few traits that I want to highlight that you should get used to going into this event. One is Burrow. And burrow is commonly misunderstood. If a page has burrow on it at the start of each turn, you may declare that a beastie with burrow is burrowing it until the end of that turn. While it's burrowing, it's kind of off the field. It can't declare attacks. It can't be declared as a defender. It can't activate powers. It also cannot be targeted by spells, artifacts, powers, or attack unless your attacking beastie has burrow. And I think because of that attacking beastie having burrow, people kind of misunderstand this of I can declare burrow when I want to, or while I'm burrowed, I can attack another burrowed beastie. Not so. Largely, it's a defensive trait. It allows you to put a page out there and at the start of your opponent's turn, you can burrow it and it's going to be very difficult for them to get at that beastie. There's a spell called Earthquake that you're going to see a lot of. An important thing to know with Earthquake it does damage to beasties with the burrowed trait, not beasties that are currently burrowed. It's going to unburrow them, but more than anything, if something says it's damaged something with the burrowed trait, that doesn't mean while it's burrowed. That just means in general. So at the start of your opponent's turn, if you're worried they're going to play a damaging spell on you and you're thinking, maybe I don't burrow, uh, just, just burrow anyways, unless you want to use that beastie as a defender. So get used to burrow. Understand what can target burrow. Potions can target burrow. Go through the rule book and you'll start noticing what can target burrow. Defender is going to be another big one. A beastie or artifact with the defender trait temporarily doubles its maximum LP during an opponent caster's turn. So 
if I am an Earth Beastie with Defender and I have 100 LP, as soon as it's your turn, I have 200 LP. And I will have 200 LP until it is my turn again. Now, if you do me 100 damage successfully, or 110, or however many, as soon as it goes into my turn, I'm going to get destroyed. But this is important because, as the name suggests, they're good defenders. Normally, if you would attack me and I had 100 LP and you did over 100 damage, I would be destroyed. I would go to limbo. You wouldn't get attacked back. But with Defender, I have 200 LP. You're going to hit me. I'm going to hit you back. And a lot of defending beasties have heavy hitting moves. One of the most important traits I want to point out during this section is Stone Skin. A beastie with this treat reduces all damage it would take outside of attacking or defending to zero. Effects that would cause a beastie to lose LP are not prevented by Stone Skin. Stone Skin's really good. Stone Skin's why a lot of the spells that just do damage are going to be tricky to build into your spellbook. You're going to want to have a plan if you do, because they're just not going to damage these other beasties. If they're not attacking or defending, they don't take damage. Pay attention to which beasties have stone skin, include them in your playtests to get an idea of how to get around them. For example, Cement Worm can use its power to remove stone skin from a beastie, but then you're not using your Cement Worm to do something else that might be more effective. And then a little one, unblockable. No defenders may be declared when a beastie or an artifact with this trait declares an attack. With so many big defending beasties that people can leave up to block your attacks, unblockable is nice if you want to snipe something. If you have enough damage to knock out one of their beasties or one of their crystals and you have unblockable, they're not going to be able to stop that. Unless there's a trap underneath it, because once you contract a trap, that becomes the primary defender. You're not declaring a defender. That is a way to defend against unblockable. But the trap options in Earth are limited. Which leads us to the second thing. I am generally not going to be giving you advice in this podcast on what kind of spellbooks you should be building. I will share my experience and my perspective. I'm an intermediate player. I'm learning a lot about building spellbooks. I'm getting better at it. But if you follow my advice, there's no saying that's going to lead you in the correct direction. Playtesting is very important, even if you're just playtesting with yourself. That being said... There are some pages that are going to be more difficult to obtain in a timely manner, which is why I wanted to have this episode out earlier so you had plenty of time to order them. There are two release deck beasties. So if you haven't dug into all of the MetaZoo product, there are two different types of decks that release for each set. So you have theme decks, and there are going to be five theme decks. It will have a face beastie, an example for Earth is you have Elder Matlocks, right? And you know you're buying an Elder Matlock spellbook. It's going to have all of the same cards in it. You know what you're getting. Then you have the release event decks, which are kind of designed for release events. Everybody opens. You get one of five boss beasties, which we also talked about in a recent episode. And it's going to be random, but you're going to get that face card, that boss beastie, and then you're going to get a pre-constructed deck with it. And then also three booster packs, which in a release event setting you would use to swap out and customize your spellbook. Not relevant here. What's very relevant is there are several beasties in these random release event decks that I think are going to be really relevant in this format. One from Cryptid Nation, the very first set, is the Cardiff Giant, a page nobody looks at, but in this format is quite good. The main thing with Cardiff Giant, there's a very popular one drop in the format that even if you're not playing it, chances are your opponent's playing it, and if you're playing it, it reduces the cost of beastie giants by three 
Cardiff Giant costs two neutral and three earth, which means you're going to be able to play it for two neutral, two of whatever you have. Once Cardiff Giant is in the arena, all earth beastie pages you control cost one less aura to contract, which means now, for example, if you're running fearsome critters, that is a much more achievable strategy because now these are going to be played out for one as opposed to two. But there's that certain one drop we're going to be talking about a lot that means you can now just play it for free. I have had games where I put down a Cardiff Giant, I use New Year's New Beginning to refresh my hand, get a new seven, got a handful of one drops, and just threw them all down. The good news is Cardiff Giant is available in both first and second edition, and usually second edition pages don't cost a lot. I do think this page is going to go up a little bit. The market's pretty slow right now, so it actually might be difficult to find one. Ask around. But if you decide to open some release event decks, at least this is going to be an inexpensive option. The other release event deck that I think is going to be very relevant is Blue Man. Not for Blue Man himself. So Blue Man was from Seance, which was the most recent set. And something kind of unique to Seance is all of those release event decks had a lot of unique pages that you could only find in that deck. So Bait Robbers, Ugwug, Foghog, those were all pages that were very relevant at the Water Tower, and you could only find it in these release event decks. Usually, if you go on eBay, you can just buy the sealed decks to guarantee you're going to get these cards if you can't find a playset of them. But Blue Man, while it is a Water Earth page and some people want, might want to play it, it has card draw, which is very good in this format. The main thing in there is there's a page called Armadillo Man. You're going to be seeing a lot of Armadillo Man. If you're not playing it, you need to at least be prepared for it. If you don't have access, I do like the three drop Mountain Boomer. It gets first strike in this format. We'll talk more about that later as well. So you're, you're not completely out of luck if you don't have this page, but... If you see one of these decks, grab it up. You'll be covered. It's going to come with three of the Armadillo Men. There's a play set of four. Uh, there's also another unique page in there, the Sailing Stones of Death Valley, which is a beastie trap. So that gives you more options in Earth. And then the easier hunt is just for those theme decks I mentioned earlier. For example, Elder Matlocks. It's an Earth deck. It comes with a bunch of Earth beasties, specifically Giants, which once again, if you're playing that one drop that we're going to talk about a lot, they cost three less, which gives you some more options there. I would order these cards now or soon. You never know when they're going to show up and you do want to have them in hand before the tower. The third topic, and this is going to be kind of an unusual topic for this podcast, is set six. This event is happening on top of the six MetaZoo sets release. That set is an Earth-centric set. We're going to an Earth Tower. We're getting a few spoilers now. Nothing I've seen in Earth so far has been super crazy, but we also don't know what most of these pages are going to look like. And this is where I think we need to talk about why do we go to these tournaments? Why are you going to go to this tournament? And is Earth the right tournament for you? So there are a few reasons to go to a high-level tournament like this. One is to win, get glory, get money, get those high-level promo cards. That is a goal. That is, I think, the main goal that we kind of look at and advertise. But a second reason to go to one of these is to play high-level MetaZoo, and in this case, playing high-level MetaZoo in a competitive format. If your goal is to play high-level MetaZoo, 
go to the Earth Tower, it's going to be spicy. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then the third is, you know, for me and a few others out there is for the lore of it is just going and experiencing this game, getting the pages that are relevant to both the storyline and the local area, you know, just to dig deeper into MetaZoo. In my case, I am all three, right? My goal at these is to become as competitive as possible to learn throughout this year going up to Caster Cup. Like, what does it take to be a great caster? But I also really enjoy playing high-level MetaZoo. I played all eight rounds, and I will always play all eight rounds in one of these tournaments, whether or not I'm going to get into top 32. I enjoy playing. I learn every time I play. And how often do you get to play people all around the country? However, if you are primarily in that first category, you're here to win. That's what you want to do. There's a very important thing that I think we all need to take into consideration, and this is affecting my attitude going into the tower, and this is going to affect, I think, the whole competitive element of this tower, and that is, with set six dropping the night before, a lot of us are not going to have access to this product. We're not going to be able to open it. We're not going to be able to put those pages in. If you did get a ticket to the gala the night before, you will be able to purchase native product there, and you could go open that. Unlike the last tower, they're allowing us to edit our deck lists up until the event starts. And so you could crack open a bunch of set six and put these cards in your spell book. There's risk to that, though, right? We have three or four weeks to both brew and test with our current spell books to really refine them. And throwing in a card you've never seen before, it's going to come at a risk. But there are a few safe options that I'll talk about in a moment. Now, if you are in one of the few areas that has a MetaZoo partner store that is doing a release event, those release events I've seen are happening as early as that Wednesday. So you could go to one of these release events, participate, obtain product, obtain the pages, and then start testing with them. And that gives you two or three days in which to incorporate them into your deck. That's going to give you an advantage. Next level up. If you were on a team... That means you can work as a team to obtain this product, mass open it, share out the cards. Like a lot of the great cards in MetaZoo and especially in Towers are commons and uncommons, which means if a handful of you open product, you're probably going to get a lot of the pages you want. And then the next step, if you are a team that is sponsored by a MetaZoo partner, you're going to have access not only to that product, you're going to have a shop that's sponsoring you and that wants you to have that product. On top of that, you're going to know you're going to get your product. Your team's going to know that you can plan around opening all of this, incorporating it into your decks. Keep opening those boxes until you get all of the pages you want, right? It's going to be worth it to you more than likely because you're going to be playing with the best cards in the game and you're going to arrive at this tower prepared and you'll probably win money, which will then pay back a lot of that cost to open product. And then the spiciest tier, which I'm not going to get into that much because, like, frankly, I don't care. This is where we get into conspiracy stuff. I don't like getting into conspiracy stuff. I'm here to play the game. But there are playtesters. People playtest every set and people playtested set six. And some of those people are going to be at this tournament. And I imagine teams are going to have access to these players. In theory, they shouldn't. I don't know all of the rules around it, but I don't think they're supposed to be sharing out information. But you do have to know that's a possibility. 
So when it comes to entering this tower specifically, come forest, come flame, come lightning, we're all going to have access to these pages. But for this tower, right, where you have maybe three days if you're really lucky, one night if you're kind of lucky, no time if you're not, you need to decide, like, what is your level of investment going in? Where do you fit on that tier list? How much money do you want to spend both at and getting to this tower when you know there are going to be teams supported by shops who are going to have all of these pages in advance? This is not me discouraging you to go. I think you should go. I'm really looking forward to playing. However, I'm not going into this with the same attitude I went into with the water tower and definitely not with the same attitude I'm already looking forward to the forest tower for. I am going to this event to participate in a massive release event and to play high level MetaZoo. If I get into the top, great, but like I want to learn. There's going to be a lot of strategies at this tower that are going to be relevant for forest, which I'm really excited about. And then when it comes to the money of it all, I could try to obtain a booster box or two of set six the night before, right? If I run into one in town before, then I'll certainly pick it up. But I still know that I'm not going to be at that same level of access and training as partner stores that can provide their casters with this product, which means I would rather just wait to obtain set six until a few weeks when I can buy it at an LGS. I can support a business I love. I can take my time opening the product and really like enjoy every booster pack because that's something I like to do. I, I don't rush to the hollow. I like going from card to card, right? You need to curate your experience. You need to think, what do I enjoy in a competitive card game and embrace that. Now, there's one giant, dare I say, elephant in the room going into this set. The main reason people are excited for set six and a very safe thing if you can obtain these pages to incorporate into your spellbook, and that's fusion auras. Fusion auras are dual auras. They're a special aura, much like prism, seances, possessed aura or neutrality aura. But once they hit the arena... They are considered basic aura pages, which means things that interact with basic aura are going to be able to interact with them normally, such as possessed aura. So let's say you have the earth forest fusion aura. Once that hits a field, you now have an aura that can fatigue and generate either a forest or an earth aura. Not as good as a prism aura, which can generate anything. Or is it? Because now Possessed Aura, an aura I didn't like very much, which allows you to fatigue and generate an aura that's represented by a basic aura page on the field. Now Possessed goes hand in hand with these fusion auras. If you have a fusion aura and you have a Possessed Aura on the field, you essentially have two fusion auras. And now this gets into consistency, something that's going to be very relevant in not only future towers, but just the game in general and prepare these pages are going to be expensive, budget for them, plan accordingly, is Prismor is one of the best pages in the game. You can put two in your spellbook. If you could put four, you would put four. Because you can't put four, you're now looking at other options. Some people have gone with Possessed Aura. They'll put two in their spellbook. Now you have four. I didn't like that in the prism format. If you draw two of these seance possessed auras in your opening hand, they're not going to do you a lot of good. However, now you can have two prism auras, two of each of these fusion aura, and then one or two of these possessed aura. And you now have five very flexible aura generators in your spell book. And that's going to go for consistency. There isn't a lot of reason, unless people are playing special aura hate, to not put a fusion aura in your spell book. If you open one, 
put that in your spell book. Or if it doesn't have a place in your spell book, honestly, trade it for some good stuff because those are going to come at a premium. People will offer you great trades or good money that can help cover your trip for them. But let's talk about a very quick, simple scenario as to why fusion auras will give people an edge in the game if they're able to open them, right? All accounts, these are going to be very difficult to open. It's not a guarantee that even a store sponsoring a team will be able to get all the fusion auras they want. But a page growth. Earth does not have a lot of card draw. Growth is the best card draw spell in the game. This page costs two forest aura to contract. If there's a plant within arm's reach of the arena, bookmark five pages from the top of your spell book. Bookmark is already a great page that allows you to bookmark two. Growth lets you bookmark five. However, you need those two forest aura. If set six were not legal, people could play two prism aura and two of the dual aura facts, the crystals as people often call them, that allow you to fatigue for either. So if you get lucky, you get both of your prisms out, you'll be able to play a growth in your spell book. If you get one prism out and one of these aura facts and they survive, you'll be able to get growth out. But there's a risk factor because you'll have four sources of forest aura in your spell book more than likely. And there's just no guarantee. That could be a dead card in your hand. If you have the earth forest fusion aura, you now have two prisms, two fusion aura, potentially a possessed aura or two in there, and your crystals, you're going to be able to get growth off. And there's going to be much more interesting things people are going to do with these fusion auras. And that's the thing I'm excited about with set six dropping so near before is just seeing things I've never seen before. But it also means this playing field is not equal. I think you should spend your money and plan accordingly. Personally, I'm not going to spend a lot of time and money the days leading up to this tower trying to obtain these cards. I know myself. I know that's going to stress me out. I would rather play test and rest and get in the right mindset for the tower. If I had guaranteed product, if we all had guaranteed product, that would change. I would plan with play testers Wednesday night to go get this product and then test with enough time to rest before the tower. For you, you know, figure out the same. Possessed Aura is basically not on the market right now, and when it is, it's going for $200 plus. The people who are buying those are these top-level competitive players who know they're going to get their Fusion Aura. I wouldn't buy Possessed Aura right now, personally. I don't think it's going to give enough of an edge without Set 6 to back it up. I will be putting the Possessed Aura I have into my archive, into my side deck, in case I'm playing someone else with Fusion Auras or other access, so that my Possessed Aura can benefit from their Fusion Aura. I don't think this is good. I don't think it's bad. I think, like many things with MetaZoo, temper your expectations, know what you're getting into, and if that's something that doesn't jive with you, save your money and resources and time for another tower. This is only going to be true of this tower, and we'll see with war. I, I don't remember how war, which is set seven, lines up with future towers. All of this being said, I would bet money that there are going to be spell books that have no set six pages in the top 32. There will probably be at least one in the top eight. Earth allows you to hit hard. It allows you to do some really interesting things with board control. It allows you to do some interesting things with recursion. If you get a good hand and your opponent doesn't, you're probably going to run them over. And if you can go in with that attitude, I think you're going to have a great time.
I personally am both looking forward to and dreading playing a spell book that has two of the water fusion auras that can play the tower on me. Normally, the tower is not a card you'd probably look at playing in this event with two aura facts that could generate water and two prism auras. But with two fusion auras, now that two water, two neutral cost of the tower to play any time if it is a tower and either bounce their beasties back to their chapter or reduce all LP and attack Terra bonuses, wiping out some beasties, making other attacks impotent. It's a great card, and if you have fusion auras, it's going to be present in your archive, if not in your main spellbook. But these are exciting times. I'm really looking forward to this event. I'm playtesting, I'm noodling, I am taking notes on kind of the habits I have in deck building, and because of this tower, and because of kind of the lopsided competitive element going into it, I feel pretty safe sharing my findings with all of you. So in the following weeks, we're going to do the normal plan of me talking about preparing for this tower, what the water tower was like, so that you have that information going forward into this tower. But I'm also going to do ideally weekly kind of journal entries for you all on like, here's what I've tried Here's what did or did not work. Here's what I'm worried about. So that those of you who have never built a spellbook before and really don't know what does a competitive spellbook look like, you can at least look at my stuff and improve on it. Once again, it's not going to be deck building advice, so to say. I would hate someone to take one of my spellbooks and get trashed. I am an intermediate player. This is the whole premise of this podcast, but it'll at least give some of you a jumping stone because realistically, most competitive players, they're going to hold things close to their chest until after the event because, you know, they want to win these big prizes. They want to be the head tower caster. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Towers. Find me in the discords. I'll be up in those tournament and gameplay chats, you know, talking about different strategies I'm trying out and just, you know, mingling with other players playing the game. And have fun brewing. Now's the time to get started. Get some buddies. Start obtaining your cards. Luckily, Earth is one of the least expensive spellbooks you can build. And outside of those release event pages I mentioned before, you should have a pretty easy time obtaining them. I think next time we're actually going to get into that path to the water tower. I hope to see you then. Towers, a MetaZoo podcast, was created by me, Esther Ellis. The cover art was made by Chandler Candela. Music by The Heatley Bros. More details in the description. Want to say hello? Follow the show on Instagram at Towers Podcast. Send me an email at towersgamepodcast at gmail.com and say hi in MetaZoo's Discord servers. Many of the figures in MetaZoo originate in indigenous lore, and I think it's important for me to acknowledge that I make this podcast on the traditional lands and home of the Tongva Nation. This game presents us with a rich opportunity to get in touch with the living cultures that surround us, and I hope you can take a moment to reflect on the history of the land you stand on, and the figures and the cards you play.